Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Quit having real takes around this because that increases the likelihood that it stays. to the Dynasty Guru Fantasy Baseball Podcast, episode 28. I'm your host, Ian Hudson, and I'm an editor here at the Dynasty Guru. With me is Keaton DeRocher, and not Patrick Magnus, but Tyler Baber. Keaton, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. Back in Chicago, and uh, ready to head off to Jacksonville again next week, but uh, recording from my own apartment, safe and sound, once again. Excellent. Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm not Patrick, as you said, but I'm going to do my best to bring some absurdist takes tonight just to try to fill those shoes. Uh, I hope that you discount one of the major categories that all of our leagues have, and then you'll you'll be well on your way of representing Patrick in the in the podcast tonight. That's right. Tyler is filling in for Patrick uh, while he's gallivanting around the globe. He is dead to us for two weeks, but he will be back. For today's show, we're going to be discussing transactions and free agent signings since we last recorded, news and notes, and we've got a bunch of other topics to go over tonight. Sleeper predictions, bold predictions, strategy, season picks, all manner of stuff now that we're free from the shackles of the rankings. We're just running, we're running hog wild over here. So, strap in. Let's jump right into the transactions and free agent signings since our last recording. Uh, all right, let's start with the biggest name off the free agent board since we last recorded, Jake Arrieta, three years, $75 million. Last year was his worst year with the Cubs with a 4.11 XFIP, he's turning 32 years old. Tyler, he's going to your beloved Phillies. So you guys just overpay for an arm in decline, or is last year a fluke? Um, can I say neither? Uh, so first of all, we'll talk about I think later in the episode uh, whose money matters and how much we as fans should care. But I think you know Arietta is is definitely the Phillies' number two starting pitcher behind Nola, I think Nola's got much better uh real ace 
potential than Arietta does at this point in his career. All that said, Arietta's got a lot of red flags. Um, velocity was down, then slightly back up, um, but still not great last year. He had finished the year with an injury. He had a lower strikeout rate. He had a higher home run rate. His ability to generate br- ground balls wasn't so great uh, last year compared to uh, his history. All that said, um, I don't think the 4.5 FIP is probably his his real self. Um, I mean, it's, I think it, a higher 3.75, you know, 3.5 to 3.9 ERA is possible. Uh, certainly pay, playing in Citizens Bank Park is cause for concern with uh, home runs. But I mean, right now, the way Ariad is being taken, he's he's not being taken as an ace. He's not being valued as an ace. That, I think, is gone. I think people want an innings eater who can strike out some guys. I think Ariad is still better than uh, a lot of people in his tier, but the upside's not there. I think if you're paying for what he's done last year, you probably will get a little bit better than what you saw, assuming he's healthy. Um, I think the Phillies lineup around him is sneaky enough that he won't actually hurt you in wins, even though he's moved to what is clearly a team that's working its way out of rebuilding. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm not a huge believer in Arietta. Uh, from a real baseball perspective, it's exciting to see the Phillies making a move like that. But from a fantasy perspective, I wasn't buying him last year anyway. I'm not buying him more now moving to Philly. Uh, certainly the peripherals around him and the, the other factors around him in Chicago were a lot nicer than they are now that he's got a team that's still got a lot of holes. Um, I think the one upside, I guess, is uh, Arietta might have the opportunity to bat eighth in the lineup ahead of J.P. Crawford sometimes. So you might have that. Might actually be a sneaky run producer for you. Yeah, I agree with uh, pretty much all of that. Um, the the biggest concerning piece to me, um, which Tyler touched on there, is the home runs. And uh, each of the last three seasons, Arietta's home run to fly ball rate has gone up, which is concerning. And now he's going to a ballpark, which is uh, very well known for being homer friendly. So that piece is pretty concerning. But if you're paying for... Uh, the guy that's he's not going to be an ace, but he'll give you a good ERA, get some strikeouts, get some innings for you, um, and he'll you know produce at a marginal rate. Then yeah, I don't really have a problem with that. I think it's a better real life signing than a fantasy signing, but um, it's not a, he's not going to be a bad play. And for the the value that he's going in drafts, and for the value that if you're trying to acquire him in trades, it's not like he's at you know peak value now after the last season that he just had. So um, I think his value is kind of uh, marked pretty decent right now for what he's going to give you and where he's going in drafts. So um, I yeah, pretty much just agree with everything Tyler laid out. That was a pretty good analysis. Yeah, I would jump in there just in terms of where he's going in drafts. Obviously in Dynasty, it's different than redrafts, but his uh, ADP in fan tracks is right around Masahiro Tanaka, John Lester, Alex Wood, Zach Godley, 
Kyle Hendricks. I I can't see a reason for him not to be in that tier. Um, other than I would take him last. I mean, I might take him uh, right before Sonny Gray, who you guys touched on on the starting pitcher episode. I don't, I don't love Jake Arias upside, but I think he's being valued about where I do. Ex- I would expect him to be valued right now. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Uh, the biggest question I was kind of hoping to answer is, is there, are his biggest and best days behind him? And it seems like the answers to that is yes, he's not, he's not going to hit those ACE levels that he had previously reached, but he will still be a perfectly serviceable pitcher who seems to be properly rated in drafts. Does that sound about right? I, his best days were behind him uh, more than a year ago, but yeah. I think finally fantasy owners have caught up with that and have, have come to terms with it. We've reached the acceptance stage. All right. And another big name off the board, uh, relatively speaking, Alex Cobb went to Baltimore, four years, $57 million. Hats off to him for waiting it out and not taking the Lance Lynn uh, route. Got a multi-year deal out of it. He's 30 years old, 179 innings pitched last year to a 4.24 XFIP, career 7.33 strikeout per nine, 2.62 walks per nine. Um, now that he's no longer with the Rays, I kind of see him for what he is, which is a, a a fine pitcher. But I don't think he's he he teased some greatness uh, before he had those the injuries that he dealt with. Uh, I think it was thoracic outlet surgery and then Tommy John. But um, you know, I think he'll be fine in that Baltimore rotation. What do you guys think of him in Baltimore? I think that's a good move for them, or. Uh, or more of the same out of the Baltimore rotation? I think it's a good move. Um, It shores up a rotation that has a ton of risk. Um, Cobb uh, comes with risk himself, but not as much as the guys that were already there, uh, which is kind of um, just that pitching rotation is my God. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to, he doesn't walk a ton, which is really kind of his big plus. He doesn't strike out a ton, though, and he's had struggles with homers, even with the the strong ERAs that he's been able to put up. Um, so you wonder if that's going to catch up to him at some point. But he doesn't have to shoulder the load in, with this rotation. He just needs to slot in there and eat innings and just produce. So there's not a ton of risk on him. And he's going to get in there, and that's basically exactly what he's going to do. So if you're looking for a guy who's going to put up some pretty decent ratios uh, that you can get near kind of the back half of the draft, that's probably where you can find Cobb. And he's not your worst option. So that's kind of how I'm viewing it. Does the, does his landing spot in Baltimore change where you're going to – where you had drafted him? In leagues, I mean, I don't know if Cobb is the type of guy you were actively looking for or avoiding or, or whatever. But does his new job in Baltimore change your valuation for him from a fantasy standpoint? No, I don't think it does. Um, I took a stab on him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational mainly because uh, my pitching staff was not very good and. Of the guys that were left, 
Uh, he had the highest upside, even though he hadn't signed yet. So I took a chance that he was going to sign before the season. Um, and I have no strong feelings one way or another with him being in Baltimore. I think uh, I was I was buying Cobb everywhere last year when he was coming back from injury and there were lots of question marks and lots of hope and everything seemed like, oh, this could be... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Great. And I, I don't see any reason to believe that he's different than he was last year, which is to say he's the last guy I would take to fill out a rotation if I needed an extra arm. Um, I think him landing in Baltimore is kind of a great uh, place for him from a fantasy perspective, because if you're owning and running a fantasy team that refuses to pick up international prospects, you can't actually keep pitching prospects healthy. Your lineup is entirely DHs who strike out a third of the time. You don't believe stolen bases are a category and you think it's better to be a 500 team than to go all in on contending or rebuilding, then Cobb could be your third best starting pitcher. (laughs) What an oddly specific set of circumstances. I mean, I think it's important (laughs) that we take into consideration that this fantasy baseball is based on real baseball and we're not smarter than the guys who run these teams. <laughs> Surprisingly, a lot of those characteristics fit Patrick's views on baseball. So that was an <laughs> awesome take. Well, he's not here to defend himself. Nope. So that's why all, I said it. So by all means, let's pile on. All right. That's what he gets for going to Thailand. Idiot. And so that's where he differs because you <laughs> never find anyone in the Orioles organization going to a foreign country. <laughs> Nice. Very nice. Well done. All right. Uh, All right. I don't think there are any other big free agent signings uh, to go over. Now let's move on to injuries. Some, I think the biggest one to deal with right now is Madison Bumgardner with a fractured hand took a comebacker up today. Uh, That's not good. He was going to anchor one of my rotations and I've already got Vulture circling for him. So that's super fun. What do you guys, have you guys heard anything more about Bumgardner or anything? Yeah, I reached out to our resident MD here at TDG, uh, Dr. Mike Tanner, to uh, get his initial thoughts. Um, Obviously, it's kind of difficult without um, having like a ton of information, but I was just curious if he had a chance to just to see... um, the news about it and uh, if he had a take. So um, his, the information that he gave me was he was uh, the most important piece was trying to figure out specifically where the fracture is. And that uh, when determining the timetable actually plays a huge role because you're looking at anywhere from eight to 12 weeks, depending on the placement. If it's in the middle of the hand, then it could be eight weeks, but probably looking at more nine to 10. 
if it's lit, like uh, further out in the fingers, a lot of times that those require pins, and you're looking at a minimum of 12 weeks, probably more. So um, kind of a wide range of outcomes on the initial diagnosis there. It depends on specifically where the placement of it was. And I think um, through the multiple replays of it, it looked like the ball hit him square in the palm. So we'll hope that it's not further down in the fingers. And we're looking at kind of the shorter time frame there. But uh, that was the information that I got from our doctor, obviously still very early in the uh, kind of diagnosis here. Uh, and we'll have more information as that trickles out. But that was the uh, the knee-jerk reaction that we had from our doctor here. And you should definitely follow Dr. Mike on Twitter. He's awesome, at Dr. Mike Tanner. Ian, I've got a question for you. Um, first of all, why do you add a D to Madison Bumgarner's name? And second, you said you own him. Um, was your team contending this year? And does Bumgarner potentially being out for 8 to 12 weeks at the start of the season change your feelings of your team's ability to contend? Uh, well, to answer the first question, I'm an idiot. So sometimes I can't pronounce names, right? Confirmed. Thank you, Keaton. But to answer the second question, um, no, it's... A, yes, I did think I was, I do think I'm contending this year. Um, I finished second in this league last year and I made some moves to try and anchor, shore up my rotation. Bumgarner, what Bumgarner was my ace in that league. Um, I still think I can contend. I may see about trading him for 95 cents on the dollar. Someone maybe just a tick below him who will not be out for the first two months. But he's the injury is not going to change my valuation of him long term. And if I have to, I will just try and plug the hole until he comes back. I'm not going to scramble and... Um, and sell him far under his value just to just to get an arm in there. What about you guys? Do you own him anywhere, and, or I are you trading for him anywhere? Do I own him in TDGX two powered by Fantrax? So he was one of the the air quotes big three that I went for um, kind of early in the the top uh, third of the draft to anchor my rotation as I made a push to compete in a relatively short contention window through uh, our startup draft that we had this year. So I'm super bummed. Um, and I, I too have also had some uh, instant vultures. I've had three people reach out looking to trade. So <laughs> that's, that's been fun. But uh, I'm, I'm actually still debating on whether or not um, my I went uh, pretty heavy on pitching early all around. So I feel like my pitching staff is relatively deep that it can withstand, uh, you know, not having bum garner for half a season um but i mean he's had a shoulder injury um he'll have this hand injury now it's concerning um and i am hesitant to think that now with these back-to-back injuries and missing all this time um that he's just going to slot right back in and everything's going to be dandy again I'm a little bit hesitant. Maybe that's just because it's just knee-jerk reactions to it just happening, but... uh... 
Yeah, I've never been able to afford Bumgarner in any of the leagues that I'm in that aren't startup, and I tend to miss him in any drafts. But I tried to buy him everywhere last year around the same time when he had a dirt bike injury. Um, and I mean, I think from my perspective, you can see his numbers last year in, uh, I guess, slightly more than half a season. Um, and they're not ace numbers, but he was coming back and you would expect that there would be some, uh, some challenges there. He struck out a hundred guys in 111 innings. That's not bad. Um, so I think, you know, if he does come back for you in, uh, let's say June, let's just put a date out there. Um, by the time that this podcast actually airs, all of these answers will be out there for everyone and, and we'll seem like idiots anyway. Uh, but, like, I don't know. I'm For me, I think if you've got someone who's willing to pay maybe 99 cents on the dollar for him, and I owned him, I would seriously consider the trade just because there's a lot of unknowns right now. And even though he's 27, um, you know, coming back from two years of missed time, I don't think that this implies he's injury prone by any stretch of the imagination, but it does imply that he's, he's lost some mileage, I guess. And, and we don't know what it's going to look like. He might, he might have some challenges that are going to impact his ability to be an ace and he might be on the fast track to the area. So I, this is all speculation, but I think, you know, if you can get, fair value for him right now especially if it's someone who is going to pitch innings um and especially if you know it's i don't know what fair value would look like um maybe uh maybe darvish or verlander um i'd probably seriously consider making that trade Hmm. that's a that's a that's well said tyler it's not I, i agree with your point that it's not necessarily that he's injury prone so much as his injuries are affecting him and his performance nonetheless and that's something that you have to uh, take into effect take into account so i think you might have convinced me to try and shop him around a little bit find those teams that don't believe they're contending this year and see if they can willing to take a willing to grab him and, and sit on him for a little bit good call if it's one of the leagues I'm in with you, then trade him to me. Okay. No, you're not in this league. All right. Um, next on the list, Justin Turner with a broken wrist. Anyone have any information or thoughts on that? Justin Turner is the type of guy that, yeah, we know. We've got a sense of how long he's going to be gone. I think as opposed to a starting pitcher being in, like an ace, like plugging a hole at third base right now isn't super hard. Uh, there's a lot of decent enough depth in corner infield slots and, and third base that like you can probably get someone to replace Justin Turner on the waiver wire. I would not sell Justin Turner at a discount right now. He's already old enough that in Dynasty, all the vultures are going to be like, well, he's old and he's got a broken wrist. He might be dead. He might never play again. I'll give you a draft pick for him. Like, nah, hold him. Like, there's no reason to sell him right now. Wait till he comes back and... Um, it can prove he's, he's healthy enough. The Dodgers are, have enough depth to wait and I'm, I'm not going to rush out and move him. 
Yeah, good call. How long is his uh, shelf life, or do we think, on this? I didn't see it anywhere. Uh, I'm seeing maybe until May, which okay. I, I can wait a week. Yeah, that sounds about right. Cool. All right, good call. All right, AJ Puck, bicep soreness. Are we freaking out over spring training injuries? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No. Please don't. This is the sort of thing. We'll talk about this more in depth later. But this is the sort of thing you should be ignoring. There you go. And Tommy John's. We got Tommy John's all over the place here. Rafael Montero. Jarrell Cotton, Alex Dickerson, and probably Joaquin Benoit, who's just at right forearm strain right now, not Tommy John property. Uh, Tyler, pick one of these guys to care about. Look, I mean, honestly, it's Joaquin Benoit because I've waited for him to lead the league in saves, and I don't think it's going to happen at this point. Um, but uh, Jarrell Cotton was a popular pick for uh, trashing the Dynasty Guru for not ranking him the way that we should have the past couple of years. Um, I think this is the sort of thing that turns a Jarrell Cotton into a Rafael Montero where he's like, oh, he could have been great, but he's probably not going to be. Um, I love Tommy John pitchers. They're my favorite types of pitcher to pay too little for. And Jarrell Cotton and Rafael Montero are the types of people that I am not going to stash in my DL waiting for them to prove it. Uh, Alex Dickerson, I did stash on my DL all year last year, and while that was a back injury and Tommy John really doesn't impact a hitter's ability, I am out on him. Are you guys like holding out any hope at him being able to become a serviceable major leaguer on your prospect farm in any of your leagues right now? No. No. I've never I've never owned Alex Dickerson or really thought about him until just now, to be honest with you. So, Keaton, do you care about any of these Tommy John guys? I did care about Rafael Montero in 2012, and I don't anymore. What about David Phelps? Because he's also having Tommy John, and we didn't even list him. Oh, David Phelps, no. Another one Man. bites the dust. It bums me out. All right. <clears throat> Fittingly, I have Jeff Passens, the arm, sitting right next to me on my bookshelf. Yeah, there you go. How about that? So that does it for injuries. Let's move on to other various news and notes. Um, service time is bullshit. And it sucks that we've gotten so conditioned to accepting just an open gaming of the system. 
David Roth already, Tyler, as Tyler pointed out to me when we were talking about this before, David Roth already did this take better than anyone. It's over at Deadspin, so you can check that out. But I just wanted to agree with him. Um, well, so you've kind of actively avoided what this what this topic was, which is the fact that Akuna was demoted for no reason yeah, right. other yeah. than um, like there's. Look, the Braves don't have a better person in the outfield uh, that is blocking Akuna. It's one of those, like, this is an obvious, egregious gaming of a system that, for whatever reason, Major League Baseball and the Players Association have just sort of turned a blind eye to. Um, I, so, you know, there's plenty of very political takes. I'm going to save my political take for later. I will say I have, I guess, something approximating a hot take here which is like something like akuna going down is egregious and absurd and like you know that we should be out buying akuna in all formats because he's going to be up in two and a half weeks or whenever and he's going to be good enough to deserve being owned or held everywhere there's other guys that are being demoted and there's all the hot takes around like well they should get a chance or they should be on the club and i think the hot takes are less deserved than they are for akuna like sinzel is going to start the year in the minors that makes sense uh scott kingery is going to start the year in the minors he's had a monster spring but like he shouldn't be starting third baseman for the phillies when he's not played third base he still doesn't really know how to take a walk there's things that he could learn and develop in triple a it makes sense to send him down. Uh, I think, you know, it's as important as it is to like have a righteous cause here and, and, you know, be a concerned citizen uh, and, and fan. I think we should also be aware that like, you know, not every uh, cause is the same. They're not all equal here. There's a progression and seasoning and generally teams, have reasons for sending people down that you know it makes sense to keep a guy up in spring training and then send him down at the end unless it's akuna or chris bryant or you know one of the players who has been just like really really obviously stupidly sent down for no reason i think your evaluation of the atlanta outfield is criminally underrating ender inciarte is that i mean you don't I guess I could be underrating Nick Markakis. I'll take that. But like, that's that's no. I mean, Akuna should be up there. I just wanted to give a little glove tap there to Inciarte. Very good, Uh, Tyler. I just named. We just named two Atlanta Braves starting outfielders. Name the third, Ian. Uh, Jason Hayward. So. Adonis Garcia. Well, Tyler, those are that's a very good point. Um, yeah, I think there are a lot of instances where, if your if your favorite player or your favorite you know next big thing is sent down, you want to cry service time issues. But the fact of the matter is, there are a lot of times where they do need more time down in the minors. And uh, but on the other hand, it's Lane Adams. It's actually Lane Adams. Do you I was... know who Lane Adams is? <laughs> I was just coming back to say, who the hell is Lane Adams? <laughs> Oh like, my god. The, the Atlanta should honestly we should be upset that they demoted Ryan Schimpf. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna start 
Rio Ruiz? Really? No, this doesn't make any sense. What is this team? I really, really don't like the Braves, guys. Let's talk about that later. And continuing on with the trend of pro owners being dicks, uh, they spent uh, $2.6 million over the past two years lobbying Congress uh, to pass what eventually what has become Save America's Pastime Act, which basically takes away minimum wage rights for minor league ball players, which is super fun and cool. Um, the argument uh, was crystallized for me pretty well on a tweet I saw from Jason Collette, where if you were to take the money Ellsbury, Hayward, and Gordon are making this year, which is a shade under a shade over sixty nine million, and divide it amongst the 5,250 MILB players, it would be an extra $13,000 per year per player. Um, now, I don't say that to say that pro, pro players should be paid less because that's not, I don't agree with that, but I am saying that these guys have plenty of money and there's plenty to go around. And it's, it's really shitty that they are working so hard to keep these guys from earning a living wage. I, this is what I was saving my take for. So um, the last things I said didn't count as a take. Um, so okay, if, I, Ty, if you're gonna take the role of Patrick, you, all of your takes are hot and they are all important and they all have value. Just okay, okay, it. I will. It, okay, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so I think um, look, one of the things I I get caught up in in Facebook arguments on baseball uh, related Facebook groups maybe more than I want to. And, and there's sort of a, um, you know, ownership sucks and is terrible versus, well, this was the MLBPA's fault. The players association should have done something about this and they've decided not to. So, you know, it's their fault. And uh, I think maybe both of those are a little right. This is definitely a failure on the MLBPA's side to adequately stand up for its future ranks while at the same time um owners are mean and are not looking out for any interest besides their own pockets those can both be true uh one of the things that um i think we sort of ignore here is especially in dynasty fantasy baseball uh we're kind of accountable for the way that fans are responding to this like we've we've basically been playing uh baseball owner simulator on easy mode that's what our game is and it's what our this hobby is all about and like i'm in a league that has real player salary structure and you know i really want my players to in that league to get that extra rb year or to sign an extension that will undervalue them because it makes me more competitive even though it's not real money at stake and i don't sell any t-shirts or have tv money that finds my pockets around it um i think one of the things that uh maybe we should be considering here is while you know we might see these players are commodities and uh, we want to be able to get the most out of them and get the value that we can. And also, it's a game, so who cares? They could go and sell used cars if they wanted a job with insurance. Um, that's all probably somewhat true. And on the other hand, there's like a real like legitimate reason to care about this in terms of it could make 
baseball better if, you know, a minor league player who's 18 years old coming in from Cuba or from the Dominican Republic was being paid, like, uh, let's say $35,000 a year salary, like, to be, to spend a season in, you know, short A ball. Like, that would be good because then they could afford to feed themselves a balanced meal or maybe they could have insurance that would, like, cover their livelihood outside of when they're on the on the ball field. And I think that level of, like, caring about development and caring about, like, our players being equipped with the tools to succeed is going to result in better players. Um, one of the places that I saw handled this question really well was uh, the Phillies blog Crash Burn Alley. Um, basically, if you what I think it was Matt Winkleman there said was if you paid every everyone in A ball or below thirty five thousand dollars a year, and everyone in Double A to Triple A fifty thousand dollars a year, then you're basically playing your entire minor league system the equivalent of Tommy Hunter's salary. Um, which will probably produce a lot of guys who will be as good or better than Tommy Hunter for you. And like, that's a return on your investment. So there is like just a pure crass, angry capitalist way to appreciate paying living wage to your employees. That's like, they will produce better. They will be more efficient. They won't have to worry about like only eating Big Macs or sleeping on, you know, 10 guys to a couch like they'll be able to become focus on the thing that is their job and not have to worry about the other stuff. And, and I think that's an important piece here to consider. Like this is, there is a reason to support this from a, from a purely like crass fantasy baseball perspective. That's like, Hey, if these guys were able to treat baseball, like it's their career and their job and they have to like work up to it, then like it doesn't matter that they didn't get a signing bonus or whatever if they could get paid a living wage then they could treat it like their career and they could focus on it all year long instead of basically it being something that requires a huge signing bonus or requires essentially gatekeeping in terms of who it's available to as an actual lifestyle um it's it's worth rooting for teams doing the right thing here and holding them accountable to ask them to do that. So you kind of stole my thunder there at the end with uh, the the piece that I wanted to touch on, and it was the thickening of the talent pool by paying minor leaguers a living wage. A lot more of these players would stay with baseball if they could afford to, and paying them a living wage would allow them to stay with it, and that would allow for baseball to have uh, you know these talented players stick through the minor leagues longer, and then you would have a much more talented pool of players to pick from, and it would increase the product on the field. And then along with that, um, kind of the the piece that you talked about there um, with on the Phillies blog, USA Today had a piece today going in depth about this. And if all of the major league teams paid, it was basically kind of along the same line. Um, Every single minor leaguer in their organization, $30,000, it would cost each team $7.5 million. And to put that in perspective, the Red Sox are currently paying Rosny Castillo $11.5 million not to be on the major league roster. So for less than the cost of keeping Rosny Castillo out of the majors, they could pay their entire farm system a living wage. So it's it's not something that's 
like fiscally out of the question for these major league ball clubs. And it's something that could down the line, help them produce better talent on the field. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's something they should be trying to avoid as much as they're actively trying to avoid it. I think that's what makes it all the more egregious when, the, when you know, a, that it makes sense for them in the long run and B it's well within their means to do so that they're still refusing to do it. It's very, very frustrating and disheartening. So excellent points all around guys. Tyler, I don't know. I think you said, um, one thing you said though, was that we as fantasy baseball players were responsible for this. Um, maybe complicit. I said, I said accountable. I, Okay. All right. No, then I misheard. I apologize. Uh, we're certainly complicit in it. I'll say that without question. And last but not least, Yonder Alonso is still in Cleveland. So that's going to do it for our news and notes. And now let's move on to our topics. We had a bunch of topics this week. You guys wanted to kind of jump around all over the map, sort of a preseason grab bag here. It's very exciting. Let's start with some uh, some fun sleeper predictions. Keaton and Tyler, you guys have some guys that you think are going to uh, produce this year above and beyond where they are. Now, what what is your criteria for a sleeper in this instance? Yeah, I'm going to answer my criteria for sleeper is definitely not what you just said. Like, <laughs> if, right. if I had to be a sleeper because I thought they were going to be better this year, then I'm okay, going to change well. my answers. I think from a dynasty perspective, so I'm going to go ahead and do mine first. From a dynasty perspective, so we talked about doing like a, a hitter, a pitcher, and a prospect. Um, uh, from a dynasty perspective, what I was looking at was basically where I think someone could end up looking at next year's rankings, like, you know, consensus or uh what have you um and my choices there from a hitting perspective i i'm looking at chance cisco i think he's uh got a really good opportunity in baltimore to become their catcher of the future and he's not a power guy but baltimore is a good home run park he's going to get on base at uh above average clip for his position and i think catchers as a whole are basically cheap and there's a lot of depth there in terms of there's a lot of guys who are like chance cisco but he's super young and i think his his floor is basically still regular major leaguer i think the question is basically can he stay at catcher and i don't see him being moved off of that at in baltimore anyway and and I really don't see them making a decision to replace him with somebody. So right now he's being taken around the same tier as the Tyler Flowers of the world. I love Tyler Flowers. I'm I'm buying him lots of places too. But from a dynasty perspective, chances go, especially if you're in an OBP league, like he's he's gonna be really good uh, as a catcher. This year he's not. This year he's gonna maybe get yeah a half season of at bats. He's gonna be fine, but he's not gonna be great. Um. Keaton, did I butcher how you considered sleepers, and who are you taking as a hitter? Uh, my criteria was somebody whose ADP is outside of 250, who I think is being undervalued in drafts this year, who I think can have long-term fantasy value. Someone undervalued this year with long-term fantasy value that seemed similar. Anyway, my hitter is um, Matt Davidson, and um, he is a guy who... Um, strikes out a lot and isn't going to hit for a great average, but specifically for OBP leagues, 
Um, he's going to hit a bunch of home runs, and he's got a bunch of playing time. So he's a guy that you can scoop up for a bunch of counting stats and a good OBP. And his current ADP, so uh, Matt Davidson's ADP is 390, which is being taken around Nick Markakis, Andrew Heaney, Tommy Canely, Stephen Vogt type players. Uh, and then I think he's 26 years old and can provide a ton of pop. Um, so he's just a guy that um, you know, there's no one really threatening his position. So at least for the next few years, he's going to be able to provide some pretty decent counting stats and some pretty decent value in OBP leagues. Nice. Excellent. Those are, those are, those are some good names there. Uh, Keaton, let's stick with you. And why don't you tell me about the pitcher that you have selected? Uh, the pitcher I went with is Tyler Glasnow. Um, he's kind of like a post hype guy right now. Um, he had a pretty good end of the regular season last year. Um, his overall season last year was, uh, not so great, but in the minors, uh, in AAA, he killed it last year and really kind of, um, got things back on track. Uh, he's had some injury history that's turned some people away. His, Lack of immediate success um, right away in the majors has turned some people away. But I think the the strides that he made in AAA last year were kind of head and shoulders above um, where he had been. Excuse me, where he had been uh, with his fastball control and he cut down his walks uh, from five walks per nine to three walks per nine and taking two off of your K per nine. Uh, is a pretty huge deal. Um, so it seems like he's got a lot of that reined in. Um, and his current ADP right now is uh, the late 300s as well, uh, 342, so mid 300s. And he's being taken around guys like Brandon Jury, AJ Minter, um, Tyler Molly, is it? Male, perhaps? Is it? <laughs> Should we be ref? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to do that. Might as well. A um, few picks ahead of Michael Givens and uh, AJ Ramos, so that's where he's being picked at. And I think that um, he's got some, still has some pretty great upside. So that's the the pitcher that I would say is undervalued and could be snagged as a sleeper in the mid three hundreds draft ADP range. Nice. Tyler, who's your pitcher? Uh, so my pitcher is Joe Ross. I think um, I actually went back and looked at the Dynasty Gurus top 500 from 2016. And Tyler Glasnow was the 164th uh, player on the top 500 in 2016. Um, that was w at the prime of Glasnow's like, top prospect uh you know status before he hit the ground hard in his major league debut joe ross was number 172 on that list to give you a little bit more context in 2016 joe ross had already come up and pitched some innings as a 22 year old in washington and was being ranked right alongside aaron nola um and jose quintana and Tyler Glasnow. Now, 
there were also guys like uh like james shields and zach wheeler in that same tier but we're lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're not going to talk about them. We're going to talk about Joe Ross. Uh, Joe Ross has been out with Tommy John basically since the middle of, or like, I guess pretty early in the 2017 season. Yeah, he pitched a few games and he's, he didn't look great. Um, and then went down it with an injury, which he's 24 years old. And I have been seeing him basically be free in many many leagues including dynasty leagues like to me this is the the type of guy who he's a 24 year old uh top starting pitching prospect on a really good team um who has is going to be given every opportunity to succeed with a team that isn't going to rush him they're not going to put him in a position to fail the nationals have been I guess, exceptionally cautious with pitchers coming back from injury. And we've seen with guys like Strasburg that it's, it's kind of paid off. They haven't uh, escalated. They haven't been consistently dogged by injuries. Um, So I don't think there's any real cause for concern. A guy like Joe Ross getting Tommy John is the type of guy who I would expect to bounce back. And he's probably going to come back sometime mid to late 2018. Um, he is not going to help you this season, but you could probably pay, you know, SP5 costs for him right now in most of your leagues because people have just basically forgotten he's out there. Um, he's no longer a top prospect. He's not going to have a spot in a rotation in 2018, even if he's ready. Um, and he's still super young and has basically the same upside as any other 24 year old pitcher. Uh, when he was healthy in 2016, he pitched a hundred innings and had about a hundred strikeouts, 93. Um, I'm going to round up there for my own sake with a 3.5 fit. Um, he's, he's could give you, you know, SP two numbers, for probably the rest of his career from 2019 and beyond and you could go out and get him now for basically a song if you're in a redraft league where you shouldn't be taking him anyway because he's going to be out all season his adp in fan tracks right now is 877 um now if you're in a dynasty league i would expect him to probably be going more in like you know 20 to 30th rounds of uh 40 round draft right now i don't know where he went in tdgx2 i don't know if you guys have those numbers up but probably later than he should have i'm buying joe ross everywhere i just picked him up in the league uh that i lost madison bumgarner not as a replacement for him but good call tyler actionable advice there i just i just did it so, uh, Tyler, let's stick with you and let's move on to the prospect that you've got. Yeah, so my prospect in terms of sleepers is a guy who 
I guess it's kind of getting a little bit of helium um, from a very, very specific type of uh, fantasy baseball player. And that's Max Schrock. Um, he was not ranked at all in Jesse Roche's uh, top 200 prospects. He was the eighth best second base prospect on Jesse Roche's top 2B prospects lists. Now, pure second base prospects are probably the types of players you should be staying away from everywhere. Um, there are not a lot of great to be prospects out there, which is why a guy like Max Schrock can be the eighth best second base prospect and not a top 200 prospect. I think that's a fair evaluation of him. At the same time, um, I am not a superstitious man, but I do believe that the Cardinals could take uh, a non-toolsy uh, middle infield guy who does not have the range to play shortstop and turn him into an all-star somehow and make us all incredibly angry. Um, Max Schrock was a mainstay on Carson Sestouli's French Five for a long time. There's an infamous Fangraphs audio bet where uh, noted baseball mind and generally smart person Jeff Sullivan essentially bet Carson that Max Schrock would be nothing and would never be worth anything at all. And I think we can anticipate that Max Schrock will be fighting for a major league roster spot on the Cardinals at some time in 2019. Um, he's the kind of second base guy who is going to look a lot like Scooter Gennett or, uh, or Joe Panic at times in his career, which isn't incredibly sexy, but it's the sort of guy who, especially in super deep leagues can really help you. And if you are in a league where you've got more than 200 prospects owned and you're considering questions like who's going to be the next relief ace, maybe I should take that prospect. Don't do that. Take the guy who's probably going to get a major league job and is going to be very safe. And, and, you know, with the Cardinals uh, as his organization now, it's probably going to somehow have like an OBP of 500 for a year and we're all going to be angry about it. Great call, Tyler. That's, that's a very interesting name. I like that. Keaton, who do you have as your guy? So I originally had Bo Burrows and I already talked about him. So now I've pivoted and I'm going to go with uh, Suli Matias as my guy. So um, he was an international signee from 2015, 2016 international signing period. Um, he was actually a guy that I picked up in the Tino listeners league um, uh, for, for that draft period. Um, and he's uh, 19 years old. He hasn't played in full season yet. That jump is coming this year, but at each level of uh, rookie league, and uh, winter level and fall level, uh, he's hit for power and led um, each league in home runs uh, that he's kind of had that stop at. So he has some pretty legit power. Um, he's still been one of the youngest guys at each of those levels, which um, even though it's still developmental league and uh, he's only had one stop at rookie league, um, so he's only played a in about 60 games in a season. Um, that's still pretty impressive, being one of the younger performers at each of those levels. His average so far has left a little bit to be desired, but he's still pretty young. Uh, and as he grows into his 
very slender frame. Um, some of uh, his more of his power, um, I think, can translate into a bit more production. Some of his other stats. So um, he's kept the strikeouts in relative check uh, for a guy that's setting for as much power as he has, uh, and he's been uh, a pretty decently exciting guy. Uh, and he's 19 years old, going to make his debut in full season ball this year. Uh, and he was not in uh, Jesse Roach's top 200. He was in the outfield rankings, uh, ranked at number 64. So that's the guy that I pivoted to um, a deep outfield pull uh, guy that. Um, I'd scooped up in a league and then subsequently dropped like the next year after that. But uh, he had started to make a little bit of buzz uh, around the circuit in prospect uh, rankings and lists a little bit this season, uh, which gave me a little bit of prospect envy for not having kept him. Um, I honestly just picked him up because he had spots to fill and he was one of like uh I think he was in like the top five of the international signing period. And I was just like, well, you know what? He's 16. Why not? I'll just you know scoop him up and let him sit. He looks pretty decent. And he's one of the guys that's kind of panned out from that class. So that's fun. But uh, his development has uh, been going pretty well. And he's kind of starting to shoot up those lists. And those are the kind of guys that you want to get on early before they shoot up the list. And then everybody's wondering who the next Akuna is. You know, maybe it's this guy. So he still has a pretty distant ETA, but he's starting to make the, the rumblings in the rankings now. So these are the kind of guys that uh, you want to evaluate, kind of uh, decide if, if these are the guys you want to go for and, and pull the trigger now. And uh, for me, this, this is the guy that, that I'm going to go and, and pick up before uh, his name is more well-known than it is starting to become. Great call. Uh, side note, Keaton, let's, try and grab him in those leagues that we uh, own teams together. Next topic, season predictions. Let's do some season picks, you guys. It's right before the season starts. We got to we got to do it, right? Uh, AL division winners. Keaton. I've got the New York Yankees, the Houston Astros, and the Cleveland Indians. Tyler, AL division winners. Yeah, I'm going Houston and Cleveland too, but I'm going to be a little contrarian and take Boston just because Keaton took New York and I can't be exactly like him. You know, this raised disrespect is really, really appropriate. Uh, does Pakoda get a vote? <laughs> hey, One of my we... bold takes was almost that the Tigers will have more wins than Tampa, but I couldn't bring myself to do it just for you, even though I really, really wanted to. Well, it's very sweet, but probably true. All right. AL wildcard teams. Keats. Boston and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. All right. And Tyler? I really want the Angels to go to the wildcard. I think that'd be awesome. Um, but I just cannot see a scenario where their rotation gets them there. Um, so I'm going New York and Minnesota. I like Minnesota a lot this year, uh, even though I just talked trash about the Angels rotation. Nice. Okay, so you guys both have Yankees, the Astros. Yeah, the don't Indians. dwell on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very exciting. All right. NL Division winners, Tyler. 
Yeah, so I'm going Nationals. I think this is their last shot, and I think they make it to the Division Series. Um, Dodgers and the Cardinals as the winner in the Central. I'm going out on the limb on that one. <laughs> and Keaton? Yeah, I have uh, the Nationals, the Dodgers, and agreements there. And then uh, the division where we flip is I have the Cubs. All right. And while we got you, who do you have for the wild card for the NL? Milwaukee and Colorado. Mm, Rockies, nice. Tyler. So I do think the Cubs are going to get this. I can't see a scenario where they don't uh, end up in the playoffs. And I love Milwaukee and Colorado. Those are really fun teams, but they do not have what it takes. It's going to be Arizona. Mm. World Series picks, guys. Tyler, who do you got? Cleveland over Dodgers in six. Six games. All right. Keaton. I have the Nationals over the Astros in seven. Man, that would be a fun one. So would Cleveland over Cleveland and uh, the Dodgers as well. Those are both good takes. Fun. I hope. I hope. They, I hope they all. I hope you all are right. I hope it all comes to pass. Uh, Infinite dimensions. <laughs> I was gonna say it'll be the first ever dual World Series champions. The multiverse champions. Um, Cy Young Award winner. Keaton. Uh, Chris Sale for the AL and Old Faithful Kershaw for the NL. All right, MVP. We'll just bang through your awards. MVP, I got Mookie in the AL and my boy Trey Turner in the NL. Even though it's heavily relying on steals, huh? Yes. All right. All right. The writers like those. They're old, old timey guys. (laughs) Very good. Plays baseball the right way. And rookie of the year. Acuna in the NL and Otani in the AL. Nice. Tyler, who do you got for award season? I'm going to say Cy Young is going to be Severino and Quintana. I think both of them are exciting and will have some narrative weight behind them. Um, And Chris Sale and Kershaw get that like, oh, but they've already won it. So they don't get it again. uh, Baseball writer mentality for MVP. I'm going to say Stanton. Uh, he's going to do back-to-back MVPs in two different leagues. And Nolan Arenado, um, because he will be the one player on the Rockies who will not get traded and will be worthy of those numbers. Uh, and Rookie of the Year, it's Acuna. I don't see how – I don't even honestly know who the second place in the NL could be. And I'm going to say Franklin Barreto, uh for the AL. I like that a lot. I've got Barreto in a uh, Dynasty League. So I hope that comes to pass. Let's move on to uh, some less serious stuff in as much as the stuff that we've covered before was serious. Let's go under through some overrated, underrated, or properly rated. We're just going to do a grab bag here, all kinds of different stuff. I'm going to list off some stuff, a uh, pre-selected list from you guys, and you guys are going to debate your takes. So, Tyler, Helmet Nachos as Ballpark Fair. Overrated, I'm going to say Overrated. Overrated. Keaton, do you agree or disagree? See, originally I was going to say they're they're underrated, but they generally end up becoming an entire helmet full of chips and like less toppings than the regular nachos. Mm-hmm. And then you just pay $20 for just salty chips. So, yeah, I agree. And yeah, let's not forget that 
nachos that are served by like Aramark Foods are basically just little sheets of cardboard. Like you yeah, can sure. make better nachos at home. Most of the time, that's not true with ballpark food. With nachos, it is. Yeah, but can you watch a baseball game and eat nachos at home? I mean, come on. <laughs> Keaton, I have got some great news for you, buddy. <laughs> you are going to be in for a treat, man. <laughs> All right. Flip side, helmet ice cream. Overrated, underrated, or properly rated? So I'm going to take this one, too. I'm going to say underrated on helmet ice cream. Correct. Because the helmets are very cute. They're small, and you can use them as a keepsake. And it's, like, way cheaper than almost everything else that you might want to buy your kids at the ballpark. So you get the ice cream. You get probably a little bit more than you would in a cone, and you have that you know that thing that only costs eight dollars instead of costing thirty. So I'm going for it. I don't have kids, and I agree. The helmet ice cream is is always a solid choice. <laughs> I was gonna say that's like you pointed out buying it for your kids, and I'm staring <laughs> at my row of like seven helmets that I have from the ballparks I've visited. So I'm trying to get to all thirty ballparks, and I either get a helmet ice cream and get like keep the helmet as my like little trophy of the ballpark that I visited or the souvenir soda so I keep the cup so I have like a little token from the ballpark that I visited and it's usually like the majority of them are the helmets from the helmet ice cream so that that's usually my go to <laughs> it's a good that's a good choice it's a solid a solid pick all right weird ballpark food in general overrated underrated or properly rated extremely underrated the stuff that these ballparks put together are so ridiculous. Um, I usually just enjoy watching people do incredibly stupid things and uh, buying it and trying to eat them. Like last year, a uh, couple Braves game, they had this thing called the Tomahawk Chop, which was, um, I really don't know how to describe it besides an entire lamb on a sandwich it was the biggest freaking lamb chop sandwich i have ever seen it was like 25 dollars, and it was legitimately like seven or eight pounds and it was just the most absurd thing and every year they keep coming up with just the more crazy wacko things to eat i think there's a three foot long hot dog that comes with a purse in texas like, you legitimately have to carry it in a cardboard what? purse because it's so huge. Oh, okay. It's like a real, like, purse. Yeah. Like from... And that's not even, like, a top ten weird food for the Rangers, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Yeah. I, I love think ham, fr ham fries are the thing that are all the rage. I think, I mean, I think, in general, Keaton, I agree. Um, it's absurd, and it's a, it's a, a fun little news story. But I, I think the sort of competition to have the most weird-ass shit is is a bit overrated especially in like this stage in spring training when there's so little to actually report besides who's getting tommy john surgery there's just like this is this is the one time of year when i just don't care about the article going around twitter about who's got ham fries um but come june when i go to a stadium and see that there's a stand that's selling like i don't know like fried lemonade or something i'm gonna be all about it yeah i mean the new thing at braves games this year is something called a spectator which is basically it's i'm a, already grossed out <laughs> it's a it's a corn dog but instead of like the 
the corn bread being the shell, it's a baked potato. So it's a full on hot dog. Yeah, just in a what baked you potato want. wrapped in bacon, and then they got like nacho cheese and jalapenos on top. It's absurd. Yeah, when I when I think about sitting outside in a humid Georgia summer day, what I want is a baked potato covered in more stuff. I am extremely into this right now. It could just <laughs> yeah. be that I'm really hungry, but I am way into it. Man, all the Rays have is just a big, like, four-pound burger. So lame. Overrated. They actually had to release that. What? <laughs> they couldn't afford it. Wow. Oh, <laughs> man. Come on. Or it was DFA'd. Hurt my feelings. It's rude. Rude. All right. Uh, now I'm crestfallen. The Ballpark app. Overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Pat, or Tyler. I mean, I don't go to enough baseball games. I feel like Keaton's got a much... He's probably the guy who's ordering the food delivered to his seat from the ballpark app. Um, I would say it's properly rated. I appreciate the ads at the stadium telling me to get the ballpark app. And when I get it, I appreciate the information that it communicates. I think it's criminally underrated. I very much enjoy it. I've I've never had the delivery to my seat bit. I, I walk around the parks too much to do that. Um, but the, my favorite part of that is it basically is the diary of all the games that I've been to and it keeps the log of all the parks I've been to and how many more I need to get to. And then has little stats of all the home teams records. It's probably one of the better baseball apps out there. If you go to enough baseball games where, uh, you can use it. And then they have, uh, one of the things for the Orioles is they had a scavenger hunt, with like Wi-Fi hotspots around the park, and as you walked into uh, like the their like uh, whatever air like the areas of interest, uh, there's like six of them, and all you had to do was just visit them, and then you'd connect to that like Wi-Fi hotspot, and be like, boom, all right, you're here now. Go visit the other five, and once you hit all five, then you got this uh, big like panorama photo of the ballpark. So there's like little games within it that take you around the ballpark and kind of like an unofficial tour. So it's got some a bunch of awesome stuff. I'm a huge fan of it. I think it's way underrated. Nice. Holds as a fantasy category. Underrated, overrated, or properly rated? I'm going to jump out and say uh, properly rated for leagues that are deeper than, you know, 10 teams or whatever. It gives uh, some of that. Some of those uh, relief pitchers a little more value. What do you guys think? Keaton, underrated, overrated, or properly rated? Well, uh, yeah, properly rated. I'm going to say a little bit overrated. I think think we've seen it go maybe a little farther than it should, kind of like quality starts. It was a nice correction uh, to saves, but at this stage, the way that relievers are being used, I'm not sure it's... It's a great fantasy category for Ooh. actually showing the value that relievers provide. At the same time, though, I would say saves plus holds as a fantasy category is great. All right, yeah. Saves plus holds, underrated. Excellent. Um, steals as a part of baseball strategy in general. Underrated, overrated, or properly rated. Since I'm Patrick tonight, I just want yep. to say, I don't understand the question. What is, what is this? What word? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. And yet, he's teased that he loves Billy Hamilton. 
So I have no idea. Oh, what. that sounds on brand. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can't wait to hear his on that. He plays in in try to get the lowest OBP leagues. Um, I think uh, steals right now are probably being a little bit overrated. I think the the power is up, so that means steals are down, so it's harder to get them. There's a little bit too much going the other way. And so basically, if you want to win steals, you have to pay way more than you should for those guys who steal a ton of bases. And especially in Roto Leagues, I think you know steals is one of those categories that if you play to get middle of the pack in steals and win everything else that's a legitimate strategy to win if you're in head-to-head i'm not even sure steals matter that much on a week-to-week basis because even the guys who are elite at it um aren't putting up enough on a weekly basis to make a difference for your team and you have to corner the market so i think you know in terms of you need to have them they're they're more than than the patrick uh rated but i would say that the people who are out there taking billy hamilton as a top 50 player cough brett cough um i just i don't see that i don't think it's that valuable i agree that it is overrated and patrick is just gonna he's gonna just flip out when he he hears this he's not gonna (laughs) listen to the podcast (laughs) he's not on it so he's not gonna listen to it yeah um I my so my take on that is uh, in uh, the great fantasy baseball invitational, I missed out on some of the top guys that get steals, so I decided to punt it all together. And then um, the friends with fantasy benefits did a and uh, kind of like a recap of all the drafts, and they went over League Seven, the one that I'm in, and they talked about my team and how they didn't have any steals, and they f- were like freaking out about it, and they were like, "Oh my god, this guy needs to go." trade with the other guy that has like all the steals um which is kind of like the only stat where people freak out like that like if you punt saves no one really bats an eye they're like oh well you know they're just they're not out there uh but if you punt steals and everyone's like oh my god dude you gotta go go out and get one but it's it's basically the same principle like it's just uh that one stat category where i wasn't gonna reach on guys i didn't get them so i went in another direction You guys are sounding a little too much like Patrick for my tastes. I don't like this. MLB holiday jerseys and bats. Other specialty, uh, special edition jerseys and bats. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. I I feel like we could do this by holiday. The ones with the little American flags in the team symbol. I Is there any team where it looks good? They're all terrible. But like the Mother's Day hats this year, they look amazing. I have no idea how to rank this. Let's say on a whole, uh, anything alternate to the team's regular jerseys and hats. Oh, I would say on a whole, as long as it's not some minor league affiliate changing their name to some garbage food for a day, I am totally on board with it. Okay. Get that money. (laughs) They don't have enough. They do need some more money from you. Keaton, what do you think? I think it is um, I think properly rated. It's a lot of build up for that. Great. I'm glad we waited. For <laughs> yeah. That. I, know, well, I was kind of mulling it over like Tyler did there and mm. see I actually have the kind of the opposite take with him on the 4th of July jerseys. 
Ooh. I think that the those are those ones actually kind of look the coolest. They've gone downhill recently when they started doing that. Um, the initial Fourth of July jersey ones, I think, were like the coolest. Hmm. All right, differing viewpoints there. More of a patriot than me. Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Keaton. So my initial uh, knee-jerk reaction to it was they're both overrated. Um, And I've been to both, and the seating is terrible. It's cramped. There's way too many people, and people are terrible. And the food at both of them is pretty bad. Um, There is something... Uh, much more unique about the atmosphere of baseball games at those two versus atmospheres of baseball games at other the other stadiums. Um, so in that terms, I think they're properly ranked, but leaning towards overrated. Tyler? I think if you're around someone who is a fan of the Red Sox or the Cubs, then they are way, way, way overrated. But if you're not around those people, I think, you know, let's not uh, diminish the spirit of camaraderie that comes with peeing in a trough. (laughs) I'm a full eye contact when I'm peeing kind of guy. You keep trying to fish for the bumper. And I think you just got it. That's not a that's not a bumper. That's that's a true statement. (laughs) It could be both. (laughs) All right, eighth inning sing-alongs, overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Way, way, way overrated, unless it's take me out to the ball game. And even then, if it's the Cubs, like, we get it. Everybody does it. You don't have – come on, stop it. Um, I, I do not care that Eddie Vedder is singing it for you. Uh, caveat, if it's God Bless America, oh, my God, we we've – this is – this is not boding well for middle America, my our red state audience, but I am not for that. Let's let that's enough. But Friday night home games in Camden Yards when they sing um uh what's the Woody Guthrie one the that they sing? That's great. And and I'm it's late and I'm too many beers deep to be able to rate anything. <laughs> I think he did the uh <laughs> The... This land is your land. Oh, there you go. All right, lightning round. We got a few more here to go through. Mascot races, underrated, overrated, properly rated. Spoiler alert: properly under, rated, underrated. Mascot races are the best. Underrated. Yep. Uh, the phrase "nice." Underrated. That's who with who, underrated by whom? I fight. <laughs> so you're saying overrated i'm saying overrated okay like look memes aren't funny just because other people know what they are that's not what makes something funny um i appreciate the enormous waterfall reaction to 69 immediately after it has been posted anywhere i will say an organic sighting of it in the wild that like gets that reaction that's great but the like people out there fishing for it like taking a picture of their phone battery at 69 percent, like come on nice. stop it all right how about the no. phrase, how about the phrase noise 
Overrated. Stop it, Ian. Oh, you guys are the worst. All right. No, noise rules. I'm disagreeing with you. Anytime <laughs> you can use anytime you can use a key and peel gif, you're gonna take it. The end. Um, owning the same players in multiple leagues, overrated, underrated, properly rated. I say underrated. In my old age, it's much easier for me to keep track of my guys this way. Well, when you own all the best players like me, it's underrated. It definitely contributes highly to my belief that Josh Tomlin is underrated this year. So (laughs) I'm going to say it's probably overrated because of that. (laughs) All right. Hypothetical fantasy trade scenarios, like being asked to evaluate a trade that hasn't been proposed yet. I I threw this one in there. That's overrated. Don't do it. If you haven't asked for the trade and you're thinking, should this guy trade me my Bryce Harper for his uh you know mike trout and yeah right but like don't wait to ask for people's opinion on a trade when you feel like the trade could actually happen yeah i agree but who says no (laughs) (laughs) me that's nice Statcast data underrated overrated properly rated underrated i enjoy it even though there's margin of error to it i still think it's pretty neat it's really cool that it exists but I don't think we should believe that it is predictive. And I guess uh, if you're in a league where people are going to say like, hey, this guy's hard hit rate is 69%. So nice. he should be the top. See, look, <laughs> setting you guys up for it. Um, like there's more context matters and the context is underrated compared to StatCast data. Hmm. I don't know. Context and facts, they just kind of get in the way. Great. Uh, slow drafts, underrated, overrated, properly rated. Properly rated. Underrated. I was in a, a redraft league, actual live draft, and I almost had a panic attack. Moving <laughs> <laughs> way too fast. <laughs> yeah, like I only had 45 seconds to make a pick. Um, I definitely took Josh Tomlin in the second round. <laughs> this is too much Josh Tomlin talk. We're That's done. a lot of Josh Tomlin. <laughs> You've reached your and limit. Underrated. <laughs> Josh Tomlin is to Tyler as Matt Olson is to Patrick. No. All right. Nope. Too late. <laughs> You've been history branded. Has, history has spoken. All right. Um, real quick on slow drafts. Uh, slow drafts are properly rated, but people taking max time on slow drafts is mad overrated <laughs> and is a nightmare for everybody <laughs> oh yeah skipping a pick in a slow draft should immediately ban you from fantasy baseball for life yes I agree. Inten- if it's intentional absolutely all right and last but not least underrated overrated or properly rated this podcast i should actually look up what our itunes rating is but i'm gonna bet it's in a and that would mean we're properly rated <laughs> nice i'll co-sign that all right and let's talk about a little strategy. Spring training, uh, just finishing up here. How how heavily do you guys value spring training results? So I view them pretty similar to um, a lot of minor league results where this is a time where a lot of guys are working on stuff. So you kind of have to take them within the context of what are they actually doing. Um, a lot of times the pitchers are trying to add another pitch. They're trying to work on uh, particular sequencing, so they're not really paying attention to how their results work out, kind of similar to how things go in the minors. Um, particular position battles are good to pay attention to because uh, those spring results actually matter, how those pan out and who may 
stay on the major league roster versus who gets sent down. Um, but that's on a case by case basis. So the context of um, kind of what's going on around the results matters a lot in how you evaluate them. That's kind of my take on spring training stats. Well said. And what about you, Tyler? So um, I can't argue with that. Those are all well-formed opinions, but I'd like to do a little bit of a blind item for you guys. If I told you that there was a first baseman who uh, is leading the spring training, uh, let's say Cactus League, in home runs, has an OPS of a buck thirty-two, and uh, that's over seventeen games. Where do you think he should be taken among first basemen in twenty eighteen? An OPS of one thirty-two or one thousand thirty-two. One point three two eight is his OPS right now. Okay. He's also his batting average is three seventy-eight right now. Well, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say you uh you sprung a bear it's trap. It's your boy oh, Yonder Alonso. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was expecting. <laughs> nice. Now so so let's let that's item number one. Let's now talk about which team is leading the spring training in home runs. It's the Kansas City Royals. And who is the Kansas City Royal with the second most home runs? Well, it's a tie. Salvador Perez has six. Actually, this is a three-way tie. Six home runs by Sal Perez, and then Jorge Soler, and then a thing called a Frank Schwindel has six <laughs> home runs and is OPSing 1.368. Spring training doesn't matter, and you shouldn't take the 25-year-old who's hitting 1.328 on the off chance that the bench depth for the Kansas City Royals, might lead the leagues in home runs. It's not going to happen. Billy McKinney is going to be nothing. Don't do it. <laughs> that was fun. It was a nice exercise there. <laughs> well, is there are there circumstances or situations where you do pay attention to spring training, Tyler? Yeah, you should. To- uh, yes, I I definitely pay attention to one thing, and it's uh, panicking about Shohei Otani. He's going to be worthless, and you should just drop him in all the leagues that I'm in with you. Well, I'm falling trap to um, falling in love with Blake Swihart all over again. So um, I got that to look forward to this season. So oh. I will say the Red Sox always have one like utility hitter who somehow is like the 30th most valuable fantasy player at 16 different positions. So why not Swihart? Why not Swihart? He could be the next Pedro Siriaco. He's going to break my Swihart all over again. <laughs> Move on to reader questions here real quick. The only We only have time for a quick one tonight. Uh, Mike asks, which player would you most like to represent you in a trial by combat? And which one would you least trust? Uh, for me, the guy I most trust is Kyle Farnsworth because he's a lunatic. What about you guys? Uh, I actually had two Yankees for my pick. So the guy that I most trust is Stanton for the obvious reason that he is yoked and uh enormous and uh just these muscles for days i feel like when you're in a trial by combat that's you know a tall imposing jacked guy um that's a good shot to be successful and the guy that i would least trust is ronald torres because uh he's a borderline midget so i wouldn't feel great about that I would want uh, convicted murderer Yugueth Urbina representing me in trial by combat because <laughs> I feel like I feel like 
I want to know that he's not going to be one of those like secretly religious baseball players um, who doesn't want to go you know, actually do what it takes. Um, and I think... Uh, Haven't you ever heard a... of killing them with kindness? <laughs> yeah, so I think um, I would go with probably Ben Revere as my least desired uh, trial by combat. And I think we're seeing why steals are overrated. These guys couldn't murder <laughs> someone with their bare hands. Why would you want them on your fantasy team? That's a great call. Yeah, yeah there you go. You know what? I'll, com- I'll complete the circle and I'll take uh, Billy Hamilton as my least trusted trial by combat. <laughs> What if they just continuously ran away from the guy who's trying to kill them, though? Well, so, like, Billy Hamilton and Ben Revere, like, these are good examples because, like, even if you gave them a bat, they still couldn't hit the guy. <laughs> so, Billy Hamilton would not be a guy that you would pick to defend you from 10,000 rats. We're not We're not doing that. Um, <laughs> all right. Pursuant to, t- to Tyler's request, Brad also asks, who are some up-and-coming reliever prospects or post-hype rookies who the group sees being the next wave of stud closers in the coming years? Yeah, so I think there's a good way to answer this. This is actually a question that uh, Dynasty players ask a lot. It's like, you want to get that next great guy? It's AJ Minter. Everybody knows that. That's who it is. We know who it is this year because he's the one guy who's like that. But if you want to figure out who the next great uh, up and coming power reliever is going to be. There's a really, really easy trick to do it. You take the top uh, 100 pitching prospects list and pick 30 of them and own all of them, and you will have one stud reliever. There you go. Secret to success right there. All right, guys. I think. I think hour and a half recording. I think that's probably enough for us here. Hour and a half recording, 45 minutes of content. I think we cut it. <laughs> we did it. We did it, guys. This has been the Dynasty Guru Fantasy Baseball Podcast, and I've been your host, Ian Hudson. You can find my hand at the Dynasty Guru in some portion of the articles over there, especially anywhere. And me has been replaced with and I. And you can find me on Twitter at USF Hudson, but I am not a very good follow. You can find Keaton on Twitter at the Spoken Keats and over at the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, what have you written recently? Uh, well, Patrick, Adam, and me uh, just released a couple triple plays this week. The uh, dueling Los Angeles pieces. Uh, the Angels came out on Wednesday. Dodgers came out on Thursday. And uh, wow, surprisingly, that was the first mention of the triple play all podcasts. I wanted to see how long we could go. I was really impressed. Yeah, that is. Um, wow, we probably should take more advantage of our platform here and, and pump that. But uh, no, you're yeah. fine. <laughs> every, in every and segment, we don't need to hear about the triple play. Have uh, the uh, next one we have coming out on Monday is Miami, so that'll be an exciting one. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Justin Bauer, and then Sad. You can find Tyler on Twitter at Tyler's Notes. Tyler, generally speaking, you do not write, but you did have a piece out recently, correct? Yeah, I did. I um, pulled Dynasty Guru writers around our guilty pleasures for 2018, where I waxed poetic about Jared Eikhoff, and then he promptly went down with uh, strain for like eight weeks. So not only don't read what i post but 
also just like maybe maybe ignore most of the things I said for the past hour. <laughs> great. Great great note to leave us on. All right. The Dynasty Guru plugs time. Uh, you can follow the our our lovely mothership at Dynasty Guru. You can join the Facebook group where we've got tons of interaction over there. You can email us your questions at dynastyguru at gmail.com. And if you like what we're doing here and you like what we do over at the website, uh, you can donate a minimum of $5 to receive exclusive downloadable format of the entirety of our Ultra Deep Dynasty rankings. It includes Brett Sayers' Top 500 for Standard Leagues, Tom Trudeau's Top 500 for OBP Leagues, Jesse Roach's Top 200 Prospects, our entire ranking series in downloadable form. You can head over to the main page and check out the link over on the right there. And stay tuned during the season. We're going to have tons of great analysis coming out for you. Um, Jesse's going to maintain his prospect uh, coverage and research throughout the season. Uh, Keaton, Adam, and Patrick are going to be finished up the triple play. We've got a great stable of writers who are going to be producing a bunch of good stuff for you. So stay tuned. And lastly, thanks very much to Caraway for the use of our theme song, Raising the Dead, off their self-titled EP. And I believe they have a new album coming out soon, so when we hear about it, you will hear about it. So go check them out in the meantime at wearecaraway.bandcamp.com. That's two R's in Caraway. That's going to do it for us tonight. Have a good day, and as always, stay golden. Stay golden.